Hey, put your hands together. Thank God uh, for what he's doing. 2019, I think, has already been an amazing, eventful year, and, I, and I'm so excited for where we're heading as a church. We've already had 95 people who've been water baptized so far this year, and I love that. I love seeing the new birth and new growth in, in people's lives. We've also had the largest number of people in Catalyst um, that we've ever had in, in the church. Catalyst is our internal discipleship-making process, where I just think it's one of those things that's transformative in our lives. And if you haven't gone through Catalyst yet, I want to encourage you to do it. We started that up next week on the 17th, um, and there's Catalyst 1 and Catalyst 2 and Catalyst 3, so jump in there. You'll not regret that. It's, it's fantastic. We're also growing more financially and numerically than we've ever had across the board of one chapel, and we had more middle school and high school students at Tag Summer Camp just a month ago than we've ever had at the history of one chapel, and as you saw on a video, we're launching our fourth campus in Liberty Hill in just a few weeks on September 29th. Can we give God thanks for all of this? Amen. Now, the reason why I'm sharing all these things with you here this morning is that I just think part of being rooted and part of us being open to the Holy Spirit is understanding where we have come from. I think it's really important to understand the history and, and our rootedness in what God has been doing. And I think specifically for us, what God has been doing in our, our campus here at One Chapel Lake Travis. So this morning, I want to kind of take you on a bit of a journey and look back at what God has been doing with us and in us these past three and a half years. Because one of the things that I think makes this church unique is that we're actually a result of two churches merging it together. Back in February 14th of 2016, one chapel in Pernalis River Fellowship merged together to form what we now call as One Chapel Lake Travis. And so part of our history is not just the history of One Chapel, which is only actually nine years old, but Pernalis River Fellowship, which goes way back. And the history of Pernalis River Fellowship actually goes back to December 1977, when three people contracted the Burnett Lano Baptist Association looking for the possibility of launching a new church somewhere here on Highway 71 between Bee Cave and Marble Falls. And as a result of that meeting, there was a Bible study that, that was started. Eventually, a house was able to be, be nailed down, and after a week-long um, uh, revival meetings, the first pastor was put in place um, of this new church plan. And then in January of 1979, this land that we're sitting on was donated to the church. And in June of 1979, construction was started on the first church building on this property. It was completed in July 1979. It's not this you're sitting in. It's actually the welcome area was the original church building that was built and then been renovated to be added into the rest of that, what now exists as the building here. And it's interesting because that, that initial building that was built was described as the building built with love. And I love that because what they were trying to describe is that what happened was something unique and something that was, that was really heartfelt, that so many people joined together, linked up together, using their talents and their gifts and their time and their skills and sacrificed so much to build this building, to get it up and, and running. And I, I just, I think about that and I think about that's part of our DNA, that that DNA actually is still within this church. I've been pastoring since 1991, and, and this has to be one of the most generous congregations that I have ever been a part of. You all amaze me. 
constantly you are giving of your time and your, your money, your finances and your skills and your energy and your talent and doing so many things from renovating the Little Country Diner a couple years ago to all the, the renovation projects that we have done and, and, and stepping in and when people experience tragedies or difficulties. Time and time again over the last three and a half years, I've just seen this still be part of who we are. It's, it's in our DNA. It's just who we are. It's a part, you're, and, you're, and you're being enveloped into this type of DNA. I have this, this Bible up here, and this Bible actually uh, um, was placed under the podium when they completed that original um, church building on July 3rd, 1979. It always kind of reminds me of this, that history of just being grounded, being rooted. Now, I want you to kind of put this in perspective here, because 42 years ago, there was this mission that was, that was launched into this area, and with the whole purpose of reaching out to people who were on this Highway 71 corridor between Bee Cave and Marble Falls. Now, this started in 1977. Let me ask you a question. Any of you live out here back in 1977? Let me see your hands. One, two... Two people, three. We have three people who lived back here in 1977. And so for everybody else, this was nothing. <laughs> there was nothing back here in 1977. It was a little two-lane road um, that was all country driving with just people who were trying to get away, <laughs> right? You know, and, and get away from Austin. And, but now look, look at what has happened over these 42 years, the extraordinary growth that has taken place over this area. And they, the projection is over the next nine years, they're going to build another 11,000 homes right in this area. I've only been here for three and a half years, and it's been extraordinary growth just in three and a half years. I have felt in these three and a half years the, the increase of, of driving on 71 and all the cars that are, are there and the accidents that happen. And it looks like neighborhoods just kind of pop up. I mean, it's extraordinary growth that we're experiencing. And so I want you to think about this because those people back in 1977, there's no way that they could have imagined what this has become. Right? I mean, it's just no way. I mean, this was, this was country. There was nothing out, out here. There's no way they could have pictured or imagined what all of this has become. But you know what God did? God knew this was what was going to happen. God knew there was going to be an influx of, of tens of thousands of people in this area. And he wanted to make sure there would be a life-giving church right in the middle of all of this. I love that. I love how God puts things in motion. I, I always have this thought that, you know, if God, if God wanted, a, you know, a, a, an oak tree over here, he thinks about getting the seed planted way back then. There's always this process before that you have to remember about. But not only did God know this was going to happen, I think the devil got wind of it too, by the way. And I think as I look over the last 42 years, this church has literally been in the crossfire, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. And I think there's been a lot of casualties that has, that has happened over the last 42 years. There have been four pastors before me that have been in this pulpit. And under every one of those pastors, there have been great moral failure in each of their regimes. And when I, when I look at that history, this is something that I learned a long time ago. A lot of times it's kind of hard to always see and understand what God is doing 
You know what I'm talking about? You're trying to figure out what he's doing in your life. You're trying to figure out what he's doing in your family or in your work situations. There's a lot of times where it's just difficult to see and to understand what God is doing. But here's, what, here's something that I learned a bunch of years ago. And that is, if you'll stop and look what the devil is doing, you're going to get a good idea of what God is up to. Because I always think the devil knows a little bit before we do. It's like he gets wind of what God is doing. And so he, in, he steps in to try to stop and to thwart the movement of God in your life, in my life, in an area, in a region to keep that from happening. And when I look at the history of this, this whole area, I think the devil's kind of been working overtime to stop what God is about to do and is doing here in this area. In spite of all this, in spite of this kind of clash that's been going on for the past 42 years, there's still been this hope and this promise that God has more for this place and for this community, knowing that God's going to do huge things here in this area. This has been a place where people have come to during very, in times of tragedy, when, when things have happened, um, whether floods or fires. This is a an actual place where people would come during times of tragedy. It's been a place where people have come to discover their spiritual gifts and purpose and dreams, the call that God has on their life. This has been a place where people haven't just come to sit and to be passive in their faith. This has actually been a place where people have been motivated and driven to step into obedience and to step into what God has for them. And dreams have been discovered and stepped into and entrepreneurial things have happened as a result of people hearing that those dreams that God has for them. And for the past 42 years, prayer has been the sustaining anchor that has moved this church and so many of us through very difficult times. And so this is part of our history, everybody. This is part of our heritage. This is part of our rootedness. Now, I come in to this, and it's interesting how my life intersects with all of this. And many of you know I've been pastoring since 1991. And uh, as I said before, I was one of those reluctant pastors. Pastoring was never a thing that I wanted to do. It was never an aspiration. I actually, on the contrary, I've said this before, that I thought pastors were people who couldn't do anything else with their life. And so I had a really poor view of pastors, and so this wasn't anything I, I ever wanted to do, but God kind of got me in through the back door, and uh, eventually I finally said, okay, God, I'll, I'll, I'll spend my life doing this, and literally it's taken me all over the world um, since 1991 and being a part of what he is, he is doing. But how I ended up here is that I had been a lead pastor of a church for 14 years up in um, Whitewater, Wisconsin, that, that whole area, south-central south Wisconsin. In 2001, I took over a church there in Wisconsin that had been going through a, whole, a really difficult time, and it was down to about 100 people. It was in a very unchurched part of the country. But during those 14 years, we saw God do extraordinary things, and the church grew from 100 people to over 1,200 people, and we had five campuses, and we absolutely loved it. You know, our, our family loved it. Our kids grew up there. I have four kids, and our, our kids grew up as Wisconsinites, not being native. You know, they became Wisconsinites, loved the Packers, loved the Badgers, and it's still in them um, still to this day. My, my best friends were on my staff. We, eventually, we thought we'd eventually retire there. We were just kind of in that mode. But in January of 2015, it was really interesting. It's like when the calendar shift um, I just turned the page. There was a shift that happened in my heart. I was on this trajectory, going full force in that direction. And then all of a sudden, I felt the shift that happened in my heart. It took me on a bit of a journey to try to figure out what God was speaking to me. 
And eventually, we came to the conclusion that the, the assignment that God had given us to move up to Wisconsin was actually over. And then it took us on this whole journey. Well, then what's next? What assignment is God giving us to do? And we ended up um, landing here. Um, Ross and Amy, we've known them. That's the lead pastors of One Chapel. We've known them since college days. And our paths have intersected like this through those last um, almost 30 years of our lives. And, and our paths rejoin it together. And the question was, is God bringing us back together? And ultimately, we said, yes, we feel like this is what we're supposed to do. And so we left everything in Wisconsin and moved here to be a part of what God's doing in this greater Austin area. And then in October 2015, just a few months after we had gotten here, the leadership of PRF started meeting with Pastor Ross because of some difficulty that was happening in, the, in this congregation, in this church, just trying to get advice, get counsel, what to do, how to lead a congregation through this. And over a series of meetings, this idea started coming up. Could it be that there's something God doing connecting our churches, and what's the possibility of merging together? And as you heard me already say, that the decision was made, and then on February 14, 2016, we had our first services here as One Chapel Lake Travis combining two churches together. When I look back just on that part of history, I know that part of the reason why God was speaking to us in January 2015 was because of prayers that were praying, many of you were praying. And I want you to try to wrap your head around this, because so often I think we kind of see our lives as an island. We're kind of in this on our own, but we need to understand, I always kind of look at God this way, he's our commander-in-chief, and he moves us around to be at the right place at the right time, and, and uh, there's reasons why he does all of this. And when I think about just this story I was telling you, there were people that were praying here in Spicewood, Texas, and Courtney and I and our family, we were praying up 2,000 miles away in Whitewater, Wisconsin. There are people who are trying to follow after God and trying to seek after God. What is he doing? And Courtney and I were doing that same thing up there in Wisconsin. And as the result, the result of people listening to God's voice, the result of people being willing to step in to what God is saying is true. This is what we have been experiencing then for the last three and a half years. And I don't know about you, but I just find this amazing. I find it amazing of how God does that and how he brings people literally from all over the world, converging them at the right time for a, a moment of what he is doing here. I don't think any of us could have planned. I know I couldn't have ever scripted this by any means. Only God could do what it is that we've been experiencing over the last three and a half years. And so I want you to think about all of this in relation to being rooted in history, because our prayers have joined the prayers of those who have come before us. Your spiritual hunger has joined in with the spiritual hunger of those who have come before us. And so much, and I want to suggest this to you, so much of what you're personally experiencing, so much of what we're, we're corporately experiencing is the result of seeds that were planted before you. You're stepping in, you're living in the fruit of other people who have planted seeds for you. That's part of this root of understanding history, understanding God planted seeds here in order to get 50 years later this huge oak tree to grow. And he's done that in your life, he's done that in my life. And so I have a question for you here today that I want you to kind of wrap your head around, I want you to kind of be thinking about, because have you ever been in a situation where you've been praying, and you're praying, you're praying, you're waiting, and you're waiting, you're waiting, you're asking God to intervene, you're asking God to provide, you're asking God to heal, you're asking God to renew or to rebuild or restore, but to you, it looks like nothing's happening. 
To you, it looks like God's not doing anything. To you, you're even wondering, God, are you even hearing me? <laughs> you know, it just feels like your prayers are hitting a ceiling and bouncing down. Have you ever been in a situation like that? Have you ever been in a situation like that? Come on. I think most of us have been in situations like this. We're praying, we're praying, we're praying. We're, we're waiting and we're waiting and waiting. We're saying, God, where are you? Why is nothing happening here? But here's what I want you to understand. Because even though we can't always see what God is doing behind the scenes, and even though from our perspective it may look like God is doing nothing, the reality is God is moving. He is moving. He's always moving. And he's moving people and resources to be at the right spot at the right time. And even in the midst of of people's greatest mistakes, in the midst of people's greatest sins, God is still working. And invariably, it happens suddenly. You're waiting and you're waiting and waiting. You're praying and you're praying and you're praying. And then suddenly, it happens. It shifts. All of a sudden, everything works together. Isaiah 48, verse 3 says, From the beginning I revealed to you what would happen. These words came out of my mouth, and I made them known. Suddenly I acted, and they happened. There is this principle in Scripture that you'll see over and over and over and over where people, they feel like they're waiting and they're waiting and they're waiting. They're praying and they're praying for God to do something. And then all of a sudden, suddenly, God moves. Galatians 4, verse 4 and 5 says, But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth a son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Now look at that first sentence. But when the fullness of time had come. So even though we can't see it from our perspective, even though from our perspective it doesn't look like anything's happening, the reality is God is moving. And he's moving people and resources to be at the right spot at the right time. I believe we have stepped into one of those suddenlies. There have been people who have gone before you who have been praying and praying and praying. There's been people who have gone before you who have been waiting and waiting and waiting. And even though we may not have realized it, God has been moving people and resources for this moment, which means this. And I want you to listen to this. You may very well be part of the answer to those people's prayers. You may be part of the answer to the prayers that people prayed even 42 years ago. It reminds me of this story in the Old Testament, a story of Nehemiah, one of my favorite books in the Bible. Look at this in Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1. It says this, In the late autumn, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was in the fortress of Susa. Kahanani, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. They said to me, Things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down, and the gates have been destroyed by fire. Now, if you've never read the book of Nehemiah, it's, like I said before, it's one of my, it's one of my favorite books in the entire Bible. There's just so much jam-packed into it, so many practical things and how to discover your purpose, your dream, and how to walk into that. But the storyline of the book of Nehemiah is, this, is the story of, of, it's actually this historical account of how God used one man by the name of Nehemiah to bring hope and restoration to these disillusioned people who are, who are living there in Jerusalem and in, in Israel and Judah by helping them build the walls that had been destroyed um, decades earlier. 
And it's really, I think, in this wall-building process, I think we discover how God does that in our own lives, how he rebuilds and restores, and how he renews things in our own lives. But here in this verse, what's happening at the beginning of chapter 1, we're brought into this conversation that Nehemiah is having with one of his relatives who's just returned from Jerusalem. Now, let me give you the backstory, the context for all of this, because in 606 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar, who was the dreaded monarch of ancient Babylon, he conquered and destroyed Jerusalem. And as a result, all the Jews were scattered and, into, and put into the distance, a distant culture. Nebuchadnezzar was doing this with all the different nations around as he was expanding his Babylonian empire. And he was, he was doing all this to dissolve really the identity of these other groups and to smash their wills as individuals. And so that's what was happening with the Jewish people. But the interesting thing was that right before this invasion, God spoke through the prophets to the Jewish people that this was going to happen. He said, this is going to happen, everybody. You need to know this. You know, Nebuchadnezzar is going to do this, and you're going to be dispersed into foreign lands. But after 70 years of being a foreigner in these distant lands, a king by the name of Cyrus will come into power, and he will issue an edict that will allow the Jewish people to return back to Jerusalem and to rebuild the temple. And so through an amazing international, a combination of these international events, the, the great prophet, prophecies of Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel, as well as the prophecies of Zephaniah and Haggai, all of a sudden, everyone that foretold the release of the Jews to come back to Jerusalem, every single one of them came to pass. And in the year 536 B.C., which is exactly 70 years, just as the prophecies foretold, 70 years that the first contingent of, of Jews were put into exile into Babylon, just like the prophecies foretold, a king by the name of Cyrus came into power and ordered the Jews to be released to go back to Jerusalem. And 50,000 Jews came back to Jerusalem. But now, we're back, where back where Nehemiah is, now it's 446 B.C. So all this has happened now. We're here in Nehemiah's time. It's 446 B.C., which means it's 90 years since the Jews had come back to Jerusalem. It's 70 years since they had completed the temple and so Nehemiah's concerned, even though all these fantastic things had happened, he's concerned that the city of Jerusalem is still without walls. Sure, the people have been able to return to Jerusalem. They've been able to reestablish um, Jerusalem as the capital city and to reestablish their worship. But the evidence of a reestablishing capital city that's come out of the ashes and been born again, that still hadn't happened. And so the Jewish people were this incredible mockery to the nations and the people who were around them. And so this is what was causing Nehemiah's deep grief and concern about what was going on. But here's the amazing thing about Nehemiah that needs to get, I think, into every single one of our hearts. Because he's in Persia which is 1,639 miles away from Jerusalem. And he gets this report of what's happening in Jerusalem. But instead of just saying, nah, you know, it doesn't have anything to do with me, he hooked in to the God plan that was happening. And he started praying, he started planning, he started researching. And four months later, he has this opportunity before the king. And to just kind of shorten the whole story here, the king eventually gives Nehemiah the permission and the resources to go back to Jerusalem. And amazingly enough, to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Now think about all of that. Because for 90, year, 90 years, everybody, we kind of think that something goes on for a week, we're, we're in trouble. But for 90 years, 
the people of Jerusalem had lived in trouble and disgrace. Sure, they'd been praying. Sure, they'd been hoping. They'd been hoping that their condition would change. But it's been 90 years and nothing has changed. The walls of the city are still in shambles. They're the laughing stock to the people and the nations around them. It looked like nothing was changing. It looked like nothing was going to happen. It looked like God wasn't even hearing their prayers. But yet, 1,639 miles away... God was speaking to a man by the, knee, by, by the name of Nehemiah, and Nehemiah responded to that and enters this picture to be part of the answer that God had put into place. And look what happens. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 17. The Nehemiah said to them, You see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. And we will no longer be in disgrace. And then he rallies the troops. And 52 days later, it only took 52 days, by the way. 52 days later, they rebuild the whole walls around Jerusalem and reestablish the gates in Jerusalem. I feel like I need to be a Nehemiah in your life. And say, come on, let's rebuild the walls. Let's rebuild the walls in your personal life. The things that have been shattered down and broken. Let's rebuild those walls. Let's rebuild the walls in your marriage. Let's rebuild health in your marriage life. Let's rebuild the walls in your family. Let's rebuild the walls of this community and this church. We, we, we need each other. We can't do this by ourselves. It's going to take all of us. It's going to take all of us at our part on the wall doing this here together. We're going, to have to, we're going to have to stand together shoulder to shoulder. And this is why I think it's so important to, to understand history because could it be that the reason why you're sitting here even today, the reason why you're living in this region is because you're actually part of the the answer to the prayers that people prayed even 42 years ago. How many of you, how many of you don't come from this area of the country? In other words, how many of you aren't from um, this part of Texas, so the Austin area of Texas? Who, who's outside of the uh, this, uh, uh, Austin area of Texas? Let me see your hands. Stand on your feet real quick, all of you who are not from around here. Stand on your feet. The reason why I'm having you stand, because turn around, I want you to see. I want you to see people. I want you to see people. And you, you can go ahead and be seated now. Go ahead and be seated. All of you who are more from around here, look what God sent you. I know. Now listen, I know, and I'm, I, I'm, I'm at fault too. We complain about the traffic on 71, right? We complain about all the building that's happening and all, all that, you know, our little piece of paradise. This is the best part of Texas, by the way. You know, and this is, and this is why, why you are here. It's, but listen, there's a God plan as well. God's been putting things in motion. Whether you realize it or not, you have responded to it. And literally people are coming, even in this room, have come from around the world and are here in this moment. There's something about this time that I believe we've stepped into a suddenly... And you are part of that answer. You may not know what part you're supposed to play yet, but all I'm saying, I feel like I need to be a Nehemiah in your life and say, come on, let's, let's build it. Let's do this here together. God's doing something in our, in, our, in our midst. And I want to kind of highlight a couple of things just around kind of how we do things around here as a church because one of the things that we do around here just kind of structure-wise and in terms of sermons that we speak is that a lot of times we create sermon series that are fully for you, that we're thinking about you and your spiritual life and going deeper into Scripture and all those kinds of things. But there's also sermon series that we construct that are really for the inviting of your neighbors and your friends, your family and your coworkers, your classmates, 
we, we're having them in mind as well. And you're, we're, I want to highlight a couple of those that are coming up here because I want you to be aware of this because next Sunday we're starting one of those. And we're, do, we're doing a sermon series called Overwhelmed. And uh, as I think I, you probably know, there are so many people who are struggling with anxiety and depression and stress and mental illness. Chances are every single one of us in this room are affected by that some way, somehow. Whether it's somebody as a spouse or a child or a parent that's dealing with uh, mental illness or depression or anxiety, or, or it's, it's right here. It is so much in our culture today. And so we're going to dive into it for five weeks. We're going to dive into these types of things and what does God have and what, what are some of those answers. And it's complex, by the way. We're going to actually have a mental health professional that's going to be a part of this whole, whole process. As well, we're going to be doing um, small groups attached to this because I am very aware that on Sunday we can't dive into everything. And so you need the help. So we're going to do one small group that is going to go really deep into it. And we'll advertise all of those next Sunday about that as well. Mailers are being sent all across this Lake Travis area, inviting people, inviting your neighbors, inviting your coworkers, inviting your classmates to this type of, of series. And so I just think this is a perfect time to invite, especially people that you know that are struggling with depression or bipolar or schizophrenia or anything like that, mental illness or stress or, you know, anxiety that's happening in, in your life. It's a great time to invite because we're going we're gonna to really go into those areas as well. In November, we're doing what we always do is our feature presentation series. And what that is, if you haven't been around here, is we take... We take four different um, movies and we dive into those and look at what the spiritual application of those movies are in a kind of culturally, practically re relevant way. And so the four movies that we're doing this year, give you a heads up, the first one is Up. And if you like the movie Up, we're going to show that one. We're also going to do Endgame. Where's my Avenger fans? Any Avenger fans out there? All right. We're going to do Instant Family, which is a heartfelt um, movie that we're going to use. And we're going to do the classic, The Christmas Story. And so those are the four movies that are coming in the feature presentation. It's going to be a lot of fun. I encourage you to invite your neighbors to that. And so this is, I'm saying all this because this, this is why we're praying. This is why we prayer walk. This is why you have all these names you're praying for. This is why it's important for you to praying, be praying for your neighbors so that you can be inviting them to stuff like that because there is so much that God wants to do in their lives as well. And by the way, I, I, I see um, um, Mike and, and Sarah here They and um, Mark and... Um, my brain is going up. Michelle, thank you. These guys are all on my street. We live on the same street, and we're all new to this area. We'll come from different, from different areas. We all got to dinner on Friday night, and we were talking about this very thing, um, that, uh, that the first week of October is National Night Out for Texas. Now, the rest of the nation does it the first week of August. <laughs> it's too hot. Um, for Texans. And so we wait till October. So the first week of October is National Night Out. So it's a nationally recognized thing. All over, all over Texas, these, these will be happening just naturally. It may not be happening, though, in your neighborhood. So why don't, you, why don't you do something? And so like we were talking about that first week, just holding a barbecue at the end of our street. We all live on the same street and just inviting all the neighbors. We'll have food, just kind of hang out and just purely get to know the new and old people that are living on our, our street. Just as an idea something to connect with the people who are around you as well. I just want to make sure I highlight October 27th is our Falltober. Last year we had over 2,000 people on this property. Again, a great time to be able to invite other people too. Now, I just threw a whole bunch out at you here today. I'm very aware of that. But I'm just so grateful for what God has done in our past. I'm even more excited when I, th when I think about what God is, is about to do. 
And so I have a question for you here this morning as we're beginning to finish up. Because after praying and praying and praying, after waiting and waiting and waiting, are you ready for God's movement? Are you ready to be part of, come on, let's build together. Let's get these walls back here together. Because from my vantage point, I think God's done something suddenly in our midst. And he wants every single one of us to be a part of this. And like I said, I think you're an answer to other people's prayers. But at the end of the day, it's still a choice. We've got to step into it and say, okay, God, I'm going to partner with you in what you're wanting to do for this area. If you would, I want you to just close your eyes here as we begin to finish because I don't want you to think about anybody else. I want you to just kind of let God speak to you and what's happening in your heart, what's happening in your life. Because I think for some of you here today, the reality is that you've never really met Jesus for yourself. You know about him. You've heard about him. You've been to church. Uh, you kind of know the story. But you've never really experienced him for yourself. You've never really tasted to see that he is good. You have a knowledge, but not the experience. And, and so I want to invite you, don't be satisfied with just a knowledge, a knowing of something, but actually step into this experience with him. The Bible says that it kind of starts with this whole, I, this whole thing of where we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. And we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. And then this but he says salvation, this kind of salvation, holistic movement that happens, mind, body, will, and spirit begins to happen in our, in our life. And this connection with God all of a sudden happens. And all of a sudden you, you can hear God's voice. And he begins to speak to you and show you things that you didn't know before. Others of you, maybe you're feeling just overwhelmed by the mess of your life. Everywhere you're looking, it just feels like desolation around you. And maybe that's why... It's really important to understand that in the middle of that mess, you still have a choice. Because you can either partner with God in this rebuilding process that he actually is doing in your life, or you can actually work against what God is trying to do in your life. It is, it is a choice that we have. And so my encouragement for you today is to cooperate with God in this rebuilding process that he's doing in your life. Don't resist him. Don't fight against him. God is at work in your life even when you think... Everything is a mess. And he wants to come right in the middle of that mess to rebuild and to restore and to renew. And then others of you, maybe you're in that place where you just feel like giving up. You feel like giving up on, on God even doing something in your life. Maybe you've given up on God doing something in your marriage. Maybe you've given up on God doing something in your family. Maybe you've given up on God doing something in this church or this area because all that you see is just, you, you see is desolation. But I'm here to tell you that God is working. He is working in your life. He's not given up on you. He's not given up on your marriage. He's not given up on your family member. He's not given up on your friend. He's not given up on this church. He's not given up on this, on this, on this area. As a matter of fact, I think he's telling you even right now, that those around you, they will know that it is the Lord who has rebuilt what was destroyed. And it is the Lord who has replanted what was desolate. And he's telling you, and he's reassuring you that he will do this. So Father, I pray for every single one of us and all the different situations that we encounter. Lord, I pray that you would just kind of pick our heads up and, 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 and give us a different gaze 
to be able to see a bigger picture of what you're doing. And where there's hopelessness, Lord, I pray that faith would rise up in my brothers' and sisters' hearts and minds, and that each one of us we would step in and say yes again to you, knowing that you are working, even, even when we can't see it, even when we don't feel like something is happening, that you are at work, you are moving. So we make a decision right now to put our, our faith, our trust, our hope in you. In Jesus' name.